Welcome to the Cardboard Herald Reviews, where we give you audio versions of our game reviews, then go behind the scenes of our creative process. Spiritual Alignment, a review of Mysterium written and read by Luke Minch. We, as a society, are excited by the chance to solve a good murder mystery, unearthing a fatal incident long past in hopes of recovering a story lost to time, gathering data, testing hypotheses, scrutinizing every little detail. We love the hunt. And when a piece of the puzzle falls into place, how satisfying it is knowing you've come to that conclusion through sheer cunning and wit. Mysterium looks to capitalize on this feeling and make a narrative for players to embark on every time they crack open the box. Set in 1920 Scotland, Mysterium is an asymmetric co-op experience, one of the first of its kind. A seemingly complex description, what this actually means is, everyone is working together, but at least one player will have abilities unique to them. Each game, one individual will take on the role of the Ghost, a sort of spectral dungeon master. Determined not to be forgotten, the Ghost gives the other players clues each round so that they can puzzle out who the Ghost is and how they died before time runs out and the Ghost fades away. Before you assume this is just Clue with a slight twist, it's worth noting that the Ghost player must help reveal this information in silence. Using beautifully illustrated cards featuring abstract art, the ghost is trying to guide each player to identify specific cards featuring people, places, and things. While there may be up to eight suspects to choose from, depending on the number of players, the investigators must suss out who is supposed to get which. Each round, the ghost picks one or more vision cards from their hand to give to each investigator. These cards, featuring wild and often ominous dreamscapes, will hopefully bear some symbolic clue as to which suspect, location, and murder weapon each investigator needs to identify. While all investigators are allowed to deliberate over which option is correct, ultimately it's the player who received the clues who must commit to an answer, placing their chunky crystal ball token on the appropriate card. Additionally, players may vote on whether their friends are right or wrong, earning clairvoyance points if they guess correctly. While not immediately helpful, clairvoyance will allow players to receive more clues in the final and most crucial round of the game. After all investigators have placed their crystal balls, the ghost informs them who chose right and wrong. If the guess was correct, that player places that card in front of them, moving their crystal forward so that they are guessing within a new category during the next round. If wrong, that player continues in the current category, armed with more information. If all investigators manage to collect their suspect, weapon, and location cards within seven turns, a final round begins. The ghost provides a final set of clues based on the clairvoyance earned during the game. The investigators must correctly identify which player's suspect, location, and weapon cards tell the story of the ghost's murder. If the majority of investigators vote for the correct set of cards, the mystery is solved and everyone wins. Which immediately leads to the ghost after a sigh of relief, exploding in a continuous stream of exclamations, explanations, and general noises of gleeful frustration. 
For investigators and the ghost alike, the main source of fun and humor in this game is having a player who knows all, but cannot explicitly help anyone with that knowledge, forcefully limited in their means of communication. It's funny as the ghost visually struggles with being unable to speak as everyone debates over the meanings of their cards and attempt to deduce the roundabout logic of providing them with such obscure clues. I can recall one scenario when, after having received three vision cards, I sat contemplating the various details and smaller images hidden in the background of each, trying to find some string of logic amidst the mess of ideas. As I looked up at the ghost, I noticed him shaking behind the player shield. Whether it was from laughter or frustration, I couldn't tell, but it was hilarious to the rest of us regardless. Unfortunately, this just as easily leads to scenarios in which the ghost can be blamed for everything that goes wrong in the game. Mysterium relies on the ghost player to set not just the tone, but the pace of the game. On one end, they must provide interesting yet readable clues and be able to get into the heads of the other players without speaking a word. On the other, they need to do this in a reasonable amount of time. The first time I played Mysterium, someone who I barely knew took on the role of the ghost. As we investigators sat pursuing the various images spread on the table, the ghost struggled to come up with even a single clue from his first hand of cards, taking three or four minutes to begin taking their turn. Simply put, the ghost role is a difficult one, and the wrong player taking on that job can easily ruin a session. I for one swore off the game for nearly a year before returning to it with a group of friends I knew fairly well. There are a couple of easy ways to prevent this from happening, the easiest of which is to make sure that whoever becomes the ghost has played the game before. Having a ghost who can basically run the game at an even pace, while also having the knowledge to recognize what clues are useful, allow players to grow comfortable and invested in the idea of the game, potentially giving them the confidence to try the role in a future game. For the game to run smoothly, the ghost needs to be comfortable making do with what they have and willing to risk handing out imperfect visions. A few games have been hampered by those who second-guess themselves constantly, berating themselves for giving bad clues and ultimately giving up and ultimately giving up well before the game has even ended, growing deeply embarrassed. At times it can feel like there are no good options in their hand of cards, perpetuating this feeling of negativity that ultimately affects the whole table. Some players will never feel like they're ready to attempt this job, and that's okay. Recognizing this is the most important part of making it a fun experience for everyone. A flaw that I found in repeated plays of Mysterium is the limited pool of cards provided. There are only 18 of each of the suspect, location, and murder weapon cards, meaning that after three or four games, you'll have seen every card hit the table in some way. This can lead to a feeling of monotony. At one point, I realized we had seen the same couple of person cards two or three games in a row. When I went to replace them, I was shocked by how we had already seen everything the box had to offer. This also extends to the vision cards, leading to its own set of issues. The ghost can end up stuck with a hand of useless cards, forcing them to provide clues that are sometimes useless or downright impossible. It's frustrating to feel like you can do nothing but give a random card to someone, knowing that they will almost assuredly guess incorrectly. For me, this creates a feeling of false difficulty. There are cards in the deck that I know would be perfect as clues in this situation, but because I didn't happen to draw into them, it doesn't matter. It feels like, in this manner, Mysterium works hard to build a puzzle not through its cleverness, but through creating situations that obscure the solutions. Yes, I do recognize that being able to choose whatever cards I wanted each time would make the game way too easy, 
but it still made me feel like I was forced to play suboptimally, deflating the overall experience. On top of this, repeated plays will result in certain clues becoming synonymous with specific suspects, locations, and weapons. I found myself holding desperately onto a card dotted with candles until a later round when I can give that clue to the person who needs to get, you guessed it, a candle. The more times you play this game, the easier it will become. There are some solutions to this. An expansion pack, hidden signs, as well as a plethora of promotional cards exist to pad out the card counts for vision cards and suspect location weapon cards alike. Not satisfied? Some creative players have begun using cards from the game Dixit in place of the vision cards, which feature similar if not more bizarre dreamscapes. While effective, these are expensive solutions and result in Mysterium becoming a multi-box affair, adding to an already lengthy setup time. It's worth noting that, while the game claims to support 2-7 to seven players, Mysterium shouldn't be played with less than 4. In the lower player counts, each investigator is forced to try and deduce two different sets of cards. This combined with the fact that there are fewer differing opinions to lead to the aforementioned moments of humor, turns this game into a rather bland slog. For all the potential, Mysterium lacks the concrete structure and variety that I needed. Ultimately a game with great aesthetics, but lackluster mechanics, like a withered ghost in its own right. Alright, well that was my review of Mysterium. When did I, when did I write this? I feel like it was last August is when I wrote it. Yeah, it was released on August 22nd, and um, it's been a little while, but since then, I actually uh, purchased my own copy of Mysterium not too long ago, uh, in a weird twist of fate. My collection of games oftentimes is composed of a lot of serious, heavier, longer games, uh, and very few co-op games. Co-op is probably one of my least favorite genres next to deck builders. And um, so I was kind of in need of a more social interaction that had strong uh, structure to it. Um, and Mysterium was one of those games that while I was at a tabletop day at my local store, uh, I helped to run different events uh, out by me. Um, I sat down and played a game of Mysterium with some old friends and we really loved revisiting the experience. Well, I loved revisiting it. They loved experiencing it at all. Um, and it sort of woke me up to the fun that the game can provide, assuming you don't play it eight or ten times within the course of two or three days to write a review, which <laughs> was very much what I did at the time of writing this uh, written review, which to be fair, isn't exactly the best policy. Ideally, that's that's the difficult thing of reviewing games, is that you're expected by most people to play a game about eight, well, five to ten times, I would say, to have your critiques of a game be taken seriously. Uh, some people just feel like if you play the game once or twice, you can't really give a good review of it. I, to some degree, appreciate where that comes from and to some degree agree with that because you can't really suss out all of the nuances and concepts and ideas that a game presents after only one playthrough of it. But at the same time, if you're playing a game and there's nothing there that's catching you, forcing yourself to play the game again 
will un- is unlikely to change your opinion of it, and you're just spending another hour to two hours doing something you really don't enjoy for the sake of satisfying other people's opinions of your criticisms. At the end of the day, you know, reviews are opinions, and if I played a game once and I really didn't like playing it, that's my opinion, and I think it's valid whether or not I choose to revisit the game again or not. So the fact that I crammed eight games of Mysterium into a weekend for the sake of you know, um, satisfying some mundane criterion affected my review of the game negatively, which is very interesting to look at in retrospect. Uh, Mysterium still has basically all of the issues that I presented, uh, but those issues are a lot more forgivable in terms of just how you play the game, you know? Um, Many of the ghost issues can be solved if you know your playgroup well enough. Um, having the person who owns the game be able to play the ghost for the first game and then sort of observe and pick out which players they think would be a good ghost in the future is positive. Obviously, there are going to be those search... search- I'm good at words. Obviously, there's going to be those situations where... Players are going to want to play the Ghost, even though they're not going to be particularly good at it. But you can sort of guide them to play the game a couple more times and really get a feel for it before throwing them into that role. Um, This game is definitely one that needs guidance, in my opinion, to play well. A lot of games, you know, I'm a firm believer of let's just play this game and I'll learn as I go because you reading off a ton of rules to me or me skimming through a rule book is not going to help anyone. If we just play it, then we'll be good to go. And Mysterium is very much a game that you need to experience the game as an investigator before experiencing the game as the ghost, for the most part. Um, There are definitely those people who can excel at learning in such a way where that won't be an issue. But I definitely feel like that's the optimal way to experience the game. Uh, My copy is padded out by a copy of the base game of Dixit, which is very helpful for uh, having a huge variety of vision cards. Because normally in the base game, you'll go through all the vision cards in a single game, and there's going to be, like I mentioned in the review, very obvious choices for very obvious cards. Whereas adding more cards will provide... um, It's not as easy to draw into all of the cards, and thus you're not expecting to draw into any certain card. And you don't get accustomed to getting certain cards. That's the big thing, is that if you become accustomed to drawing into a specific card, you know it's going to come up, you know that you want to use it, and you know that you're going to use it for a specific purpose. And so, to a certain degree, from a strategical perspective, you players can wait on certain cards to come out, or intentionally use um, the Raven resource to get a new hand of cards in hopes of just siphoning through to those cards that they feel like they need in a given certain situation. Um, The art's still beautiful, the game still is a lot of fun and hilarious, and honestly losing the game is as much fun as winning, with the caveat that I feel like Getting to the last round and losing in the last round is the most fun. Losing before you leech... Bleh. 
losing before you reach the last round doesn't feel satisfying. It doesn't feel positive to get through the whole game and not even reach that final round. That just feels frustrating, and, but it happens, you know, and that's kind of the nature of the game. Uh, sometimes you have really good games, and sometimes you have a little bit of a rougher time, but again, the ghost being familiar with the game and being more capable of a player helps to balance that out, I think, to a degree. Um, it's very much not a game to be taken too strategically, though, and that's the thing, is I look at all games from a very strategic perspective. I'm one of those people who plays everything competitively, um, and I can still have fun. I'm not going to play Telestrations competitively, I guess, you know, uh, which is one of the games on my shelf that I very much deeply enjoy. Uh, check out my review on that. That's a classic uh, social interaction style game. But like anything that has the ability to quote unquote win or lose, I'm, I'm not a jerk about it or anything, but the game has given me a goal and I'm going to reach for it. So, Mysterium is one of those games that kind of presents you with a goal, but I don't feel like players should be so concerned about the goal in and of itself of that game, and instead focus on just having fun trying to suss out whatever your uh, friend is trying to tell you through these absurd cards, and laugh at their misfortune. The Schadenfreuden is very real in this game, and just have fun with just the absurdity of it. The last game that I played, I had one player who was visibly just getting frustrated over the clues that they were getting and feeling very um, just down about not being able to figure out what any of it was and checked out halfway through the game. This player has a history of checking out in a lot of co-op games, and that is something to keep in mind is that Mysterium is a co-op game, and if people, if you're playing with people who aren't the best at working together, then you're not going to have a good time. That's the bottom line. Uh, but keeping that in mind and sort of appreciating that this game is for a very specific audience, you can bring it out at the appropriate moments. So uh, Mysterium has entered my collection as that sort of party-ish uh, opening kind of game that everyone can throw into and play. And it's a fun enough experience. It's not going to be for everyone. And I'm not going to bring it out too frequently just because, again, playing it too much tires out the game very quickly and makes it uh, a much less enjoyable experience. Um, but that was my review of Mysterium. Thanks for listening in and checking this out. Be sure to uh, head over to the Cardboard Herald to read more of my written reviews, hear more of these podcast uh, reviews, and other podcasts on a variety of different interviews, and we uh, do this one podcast where we all talk about what we've been playing recently and just kind of have fun with it, uh, the whole Cardboard Herald crew. Um, and I have a YouTube show called Budget Board Gamer on YouTube, so check that out. We're on Facebook. Um, but yeah, thanks and uh, bye.
thank you for listening to the Cardboard Herald. As always, everything we do is ad-free and audience-supported. If you'd like to help keep it that way, find the Patreon link at the top of our webpage, CardboardHerald.com. We have several levels of support with various rewards. If you enjoyed the show, we do a whole bunch of other stuff, including reviews, interviews, and recommendations across writing, podcasts, and video. You can find that on our YouTube channel or by visiting any of our social media or our website. So with that out of the way, thank you again for listening to the Cardboard Herald. Thank you.